Eric, I have opinions about kaiju with rockets that shoot out of their butts. Invite me on. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) we're going to have an explicit tag on this one. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Michael Ham 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 and Cheese Sandwich. You see, I feel like you had something way more creative in there earlier, and I was prepared for that. Um, Specifically... I was going to break out my foghorn leghorn voice. Uh, well, I'm the clown. Um, and yeah, you, you totally changed it on me. I was prepared keep, for one thing and you just. I'm keeping yeah. you on your toes. I'm keeping you on your toes. <laughs> oh, I, man. See I, I see that, man. You, you doing okay? I am tired. <laughs> Story of my life, but I am tired. <laughs> uh, that's that's sort of par of the course. I feel like for you these days. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I'm pretty tired myself. It's it's been a it's been a pretty it's been a pretty busy. Well, I won't say busy because I don't feel like I've been very productive today at all. Um, because I've just been hanging out here at the house. Uh, Lisa went to work uh, this afternoon. She works evening shift today and uh, decided to kind of just go out. I went, well, I went to the gym today and that was, that was fun. And then after the gym, I went to the bookstore as I've been doing for the last few Sundays, just to peruse around. And uh, as I showed you earlier, oops, Sorry. Uh, as I showed you earlier, I found a pretty awesome little find, which yes. is the, uh, the Harryhausen. Yes. The Harryhausen Lost Films book. Yeah. I have been wanting to read this book for a while and I haven't been able to. I just haven't been able to uh, afford to get it. Um, there's always been more important things to spend that money on. But I am I'm really interested to see what you what little nuggets of information you find in there. I, um, it was, it's really fun because, uh, I was just on a podcast the other night with, uh, Henry from, it came from a monster movie and we did clash of the Titans and during, uh, the fun facts section, I guess you could call it fun facts during the discussion. There we go. Uh, <laughs> he act, him and Danny both broke out that book and I thought, man, I really wish I would have, I really wish I had that book. So I went on Amazon, I saw how much it was, which, you know, 35 bucks on Amazon's really not that bad um for some reason i didn't go ahead and order it i don't maybe i thought well i'll just do it tomorrow or something like that well anyway uh i went out to the bookstore today and was just kind of perusing around in the in the um uh fiction in the fiction fantasy section and there it was um i'm like well holy crap this is uh it, it's it's destiny. So I went ahead and got it. Uh, I actually found it for a better price than it is on Amazon. So that's a plus. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. I'm still, I need to get that book. There's, I have that in my wish list, and I have the one about the um, behind the scenes kind of uh, making of story of Tremors um, that I have on my Amazon wish list that I want to get. So those are two books I'm really looking forward to reading. 
Yeah, I feel like I've seen that book on like as I'm looking for books uh, or odd just random things that have to do with giant monsters and kaiju. I feel like I've seen that book before, but I'm not the I'm not a huge Tremors fan. So, yeah, that's 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 more right up your alley for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we're going to talk a little bit about books and kaiju uh, related things in just a minute in the news section. So, um. Sure. You ready to go ahead and get into it? Yeah, let's cue the baby baby. All right, let's cue the baby baby. All right, we're going to start off with some sad news because we have had um, news that actor Yosuke, Yosuke, sorry, Yosuke Saito, uh, who is best known in the kaiju community for playing the villainous Dr. Uh, S- uh, Susumu. He played Dr. Akubo. Akubo, there, that's right. There you right? go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and he um, played Doctor Akubo in in the, the Heisei film uh, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla from '94. Right. Yeah, he's passed away um, after a battle with cancer. He was 69 years old. Um, so a little bit of sad news. Um, it's interesting that, or not interesting, but it's kind of sad because we're we're getting just really great um, work from one of the other actors from Godzilla versus space Godzilla in Ultraman Z mm-hmm. or Ultraman Z. Um, and then right. while that's happening, we also have another actor from that movie that's passed away now because of cancer. So just, yeah, just more, you know, there's a little bit of sad news. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we are thankful for the, the work that he did uh, for that film. Uh, it may not be my favorite Heisei film, but I still respect uh, everything that he contributed to that, you know, to that film, because honestly, it is one, it is many fans' favorite films within uh, the franchise. And so, uh, you know, we just appreciate everything that he contributed to that. And, uh, you know, we honor him and we thank him for providing us that entertainment. And we, you know, we pray for his family and we hope and we wish them well. So, so yeah. 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 Um, so that that's like I said, that's our, our bit of sad news to start off with, but we are going to be moving on to some uh, collector news now. So a little bit lighter news. We finally get to see our first look at this uh, new premium collectible that's been kind of making the rounds online. So I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, but it is from spiral studios. It's uh their ultimate masterclass battle in Boston series, burning Godzilla. And this thing looks amazing. Uh, it's not even fully paint. Like we're only getting like the three, I'm assuming what is the 3d rendering of mm. this figure. And it's supposed to, it's supposed to emulate the, the scene at the end of the battle in Boston where uh, burning Godzilla or thermonuclear Godzilla, as he is referred to uh, by a lot of folks charges up to defeat King Ghidorah. And you've got like the, the, the big burning Mothra wings coming out of his back to help him focus, focus his energy on King door. I, this is a really interesting and unique sculpt. I'm wondering because in this graphic here, it has Matt Frank's name attached to it. So I'm wondering maybe he sketched it out mm-hmm. for them and then they took and then they're 
and then their 3D artist uh, took that sketch and rendered it out in in uh, probably um, oh god, uh, is it like using ZBrush or something like that, and. Mm-hmm. This is sort of sort of what we see with um, oh god the artist that did the orga um, uh, and the Barugon um, shoot shoot uh, dope pope dope pope if you oh, if you're familiar yeah, yeah, yeah. with uh, the work of dope yeah if you're familiar with the work of dope pope on Instagram it's very similar to the I don't know if he had any contribution to this it doesn't say so I would assume if if he had his hands on this it would say because dope pope is a pretty uh, well-known artists within the kaiju community or within just the the digital uh, sculpting community. So yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful. This was um, done by Tanaka Studios. Um, okay, that's who that's who did the like three D um, rendering of it. Okay, and so um, but yeah, I think I think because like I said, it, it does say in partnership with Matt Frank. I think you were right on the money there with um uh matt frank doing the uh doing the sketch of it um this is the first time Mm -hmm. ever seeing godzilla with wings and and while they're not they're not literal wings per se in you know in the movie but the way this this figure is designed they're wings they are fiery burning wings on the back of this godzilla and I am not a collector. I am I'm not a collector of figures or anything, and I definitely do not have the money for this. But man, would I love to have this! Now we do not have a price tag on it, so that's that's another thing. We don't know how much it is, but you can bet this is going to be expensive. Yeah, because the spiral uh, King Ghidorah from 2019 i think that the price for that sucker was like around 1500 or something like that Mm -hmm. i can't remember it was well out of my price range so i really didn't pay much attention to it um but i know i know of collectors who have placed the order for one they're yet to receive it because of you know covid and all that Mm -hmm. stuff but um i if i had to take a guess depending on how big this guy is gonna be I probably around that he's going to be at least a thousand dollars, if not a little bit more, because there was with the King Ghidorah, uh, there was a, um, there was a standard version and a deluxe version. And then a, uh, what do they call the ultimate? There was an ultimate version as well. And the, I think the ultimate version came with like a little diorama of the, uh, uh, Wrigley, not Wrigley field. Um, uh, Fenway park. There we go. Um, it came with a little diorama, so yeah, that jacked the price up, but man, just from a sculpting perspective, just from a, like a, a, a sculpt, oh boy, this thing is, is, is interesting and it's really, really beautifully done. Yeah. It makes me want to see a Godzilla with wings in a movie now, even if it is a, a <laughs> weird anime movie, like uh, this, that tell me that is not something that the, uh, the anime trilogy would have done if they had thought about it. Like, Godzilla with wings. Yeah, if they would have thought about it, I believe that they probably would have done that. All I think there was wasn't there rumors uh, when when there was still a possibility for Shin Godzilla two. Wasn't there a, wasn't there a rumor that he was that his fifth or sixth form? I can't remember. I think he had. I think it was his fifth or sixth form. Maybe his sixth form. He was supposed to sprout wings. Oh, I'm wow. like, okay, that's yeah, that's weird, but. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. It's a it, it captures a really interesting moment from that film. And I love that film and I cannot wait to see this thing fully painted up and admire its beauty and wish that I had to, uh, $2,000 to, to drop on it. But mm-hmm. it is what it is and such is life. Yep. Yep. Um, moving on to the next bit of news, Junkie XL was interviewed in Forbes magazine about his work on Godzilla vs. Kong. So in this interview, he did mention that he was a he has been a longtime fan of Godzilla. And but in the in the mm-hmm. also in the interview, he mentions um, this is a quote from him on Godzilla vs. Kong. I said, I think we need the biggest bass drum on the planet for this score. I know the guy who. <laughs> can build it what do you think they just said let's do it so i said i want a bass drum that is at least eight feet in diameter he laughed the guy called me back and he asked is it okay if it's only six i said could we do eight why can't we do ten the answer was well there's simply no cow alive that has a skin big enough to cover for a 10 foot bass drum so we have to scale it down to eight it was worth the money so it just seems like what exactly what we said when we first heard that Junkie XL was doing the um, the score for this movie is he he's known for kind of big bombastic sounds and he is bringing it all to this film. So it's going to be huge. It's going to be a huge score. I hope so. I hope. Look, if this is supposed to be the last legend, official legendary Godzilla film, official MonsterVerse film, I mean, balls to the wall, man. I say, I say, do I say, throw every bell and whistle that you can possibly throw at this thing, and give a, give the fans exactly what we want, and give the normies. Uh, an awesome movie to go watch, even if you're not a giant monster film, or not a, even if you're not a giant monster fan. Uh, and after reading this comment by Junkie XL, I'm excited. I really am excited. I'm I'm waiting uh, with bated breath w- for that first preview of the soundtrack to hit Spotify, like what oh, it did yeah. with uh, with King of the with, with King of the Monsters and Old Rivals, because I remember when I saw where I'm, I remember when I heard that, and I thought. Because, because it goes into this, this, this really, I'm, I'm doing, I'm not even doing it justice, but it goes into this really, this slow build. Mm -hmm. And then finally this big bombastic entrance music. And then you stack, um, if music on top of that, I was like, my God, my God, this movie is going to be awesome. So uh, if yeah, you're right. You know, Junkie XL has a reputation for big bombastic scores, uh, and I like that. I like it when things are a little bit over the top. And you know, this genre is perfect for that because honestly, you know, giant monster movies and things of this nature, they are perfect for just things being over the top. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If you're going to have an over-the-top score for any movie, of course it has to be this one. This is the movie to do that. This is the movie to just do whatever you've ever dreamed of in in uh, in film scoring and just throw it in there because this is going to be just mm-hmm. an epic film, I'm hoping. And so I'm really – like I'm already excited for this movie and as much as I loved the score for King of the Monsters – I have a feeling that this is going to be even better than that. 
I just want at least one nod to 1962, like the the Kong theme, the Kong theme from 1962. Even yeah. if it's just, even if just, even if it's just a little bit, I just want it because I think that that would make it perfect. Now the score for uh, Kong Skull Island was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I will have to admit that's one of my that's one of my favorite movie scores, at least for a giant monster film. That's one of my favorite movie scores is for the one is for Kong Skull Island, especially the the uh, the song, I can't remember what it's called, but the one that plays when they first arrive on the island and they and they do the big reveal of Kong against that sunset. And um, yeah, that was, I loved that score so much. And I really hope that they just dial it all the way up to 12 for Godzilla versus Kong, because I, I want this, I want this series to go out with a bang. I thought I thought the song that you were talking about for um, uh, Kong Skull Island was the uh, "Some folks are born silver spoon in hand." Well, if I was gonna pick, if I was gonna pick any one of those, it would have probably been "Paranoid" by Black Sabbath when oh, they first yeah. arrive on the island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love, so I love that. That yeah, that was a such- that was a welcome addition. Yeah, that was good. Oh man, so uh, yeah, I, I'm just—I mean, there's nothing more to say. I don't like covering um, any more Godzilla versus Kong news because there's not much more to say about the movie. But I do like talking about the um, Junkie XL and the score because I think that is something that's going to be so interesting because it is going—I think it's going to be different from Bear McCreary. And I think that's what's going to be interesting about it. That's what's got my interest peaked in it yeah. is because it's going to – it sounds like what Junkie XL is planning is so different from what we got in King of the Monsters. And I was such a huge fan of what Bear did in King of the Monsters that I'm, I'm hesitant, mm-hmm. but I'm also really excited to see what Junkie XL does. I'm more excited than maybe I was a few months ago. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to the next bit of news. So we have been talking about this um, this independent short film for a while, and we did talk about a few weeks ago that it was finally getting a, a North American release. Um, this is a Howl from Beyond the Fog, and it's coming to us through SRS yeah. Cinema. Now they we didn't know when the pre sales would go on would start for this, but we do have new announcements for that. So SRS Cinema has announced the Blu-ray and VHS pre sales for Daisuke Sato's Howl from Beyond the Fog should be open next Thursday. Now next Thursday is tomorrow when this episode is being released. There will be. 200 Blu-ray copies and 50 VHS copies available to start. However, a thousand Blu-rays will be made available if the first 200 sell out within the first week. So if you are interested and you want to support independent cinema, independent kaiju films, and just the, the fact that we're getting this in a North American release, which we didn't think we ever would, Please, please go and check this out. Go order it. Go purchase it. Go do whatever you can do to support this thing. Because even if the film, because we haven't, me and you haven't seen the film. We know, we know people who have seen it, but we haven't actually seen it. But even if this movie is not great, I'd still be more willing to put my money on this because it's being an independent film, an independent monster film, mm-hmm. than 
something that's yeah. you know like like what we talked about last week or a week before whenever uh conga tnt i'd rather support this than that <laughs> well i i don't know i'm i'm st- i know that conga tnt is now you can order the you can order the vhs and you can order the dvd the blu-ray is coming soon but i do know someone who has seen this uh in fact i think it was uh um, uh, Danny, Danny DeManna told me that he has seen this movie because he was an early adopter for their Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And he says it is a, he said to me, it was an interesting, unique film. Yeah. Uh, it is very different than what we've seen before. And that's what I've heard also from, um, uh, Matt, uh, who over at the Kaiju transmissions, he got to see it and he has reviewed it. And, uh, Really, that's kind of what he has said, too. This is it's not like anything you've seen. It's very unique, very, very unique. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So if you are interested in this the, um, to, at the time of this episode's release tomorrow uh, is when the pre-sales go on for it. So uh, I'm going to definitely be checking this out because and we're, and we're going to be reviewing on the podcast, too. Oh, I, I assume so. This will probably be a that'll probably be a 2021 episode or if we can if we can cram it in before the end of the year, if we're if we're both able to see it, um, we may. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it as it seems right now, it may mo- it's probably most likely going to be a an early 2021 release for the podcast. Right, right. Um, moving into the next bit of news. So there have been rumors floating around for a while now that the Meg uh, is getting is going to get a sequel. That's the giant shark Jason Statham movie. Um, it was a surprise hit worldwide, even though it didn't do – I don't remember it doing super well domestically, but overseas I think it did really well. It did really well in Japan, I believe, and it did really well in I can I want to say Germany or something like that. It did really well overseas, like we said, like you yeah. like you said, but it it didn't do so hot here in in the states. But that's I I guess you know our market is so saturated with Marvel and Star Wars and other th- and things of that nature. Giant monster movies here in the United States are really I feel like they're really difficult to gain traction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it did look kind of on the sillier side. So I can see why that might have turned some people off. Um, so the sequel, like I said, there's been rumors about a sequel. But the news that we got was that the sequel seems to have gotten a title. Now, this isn't official because um, things can change. But according to the author of the books, which this is news to me, I did not know that Meg was based on book uh, on a book, but it's actually based on, uh, me either. Yeah. There's actually a few books in the series. Uh, and the sequel to the book was titled the trench. And so they, they're saying that that's the title that the movie, the sequel movie is going to be using um, and that it may get an R rating, um, which some people, uh, not necessarily me, but some people felt, you know, usually, especially with these monster movies, they want a, an R rating for it because then you can push more of the violence and the, and the gore side of it. Whereas they, they were kind of um, hand tied with the PG 13 rating that they had for the first one. So um, if it is radar, then they can definitely cut loose. I saw the Meg and I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, 
it was a fun movie. It's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it a masterpiece like Jaws or something like that? No, it's not. Uh, but it is a fun movie, and I really enjoyed it just for the simple fact that you know it's. I'm a fan of Jaws. I'm a fan of that that series, that franchise. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, maybe not so much. Maybe not so much Jaws four in 3D. That <laughs> one was a little bit. That was yeah. Uh, but I. I had a lot of fun with the Meg and I'm, I will probably watch the sequel most likely. I know I'll watch the sequel. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested in seeing a sequel. So um, yeah. And now does, uh, would Jason Statham come back? We're not sure if he did. I'm sure it would add even more uh, interest to the film because I would be interested to see Jason, Jason Statham um, fight another shark. <laughs> it's just like, why not? Why not throw the rock into it? The rock is in every movie franchise. Put the rock against a giant shark. <laughs> I'm so tired of Dwayne Johnson. You bite your tongue. Look, look. Okay. First of all, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I used to like the rock. I'm not a huge fan of the rock anymore. Um, I'm kind of bored with his character. I'm kind of bored with him because he's sort of a one trick pony. Anyway, he plays the same exact character in every single movie. Yeah. Now, see, I don't think that's true. I know we're going, we're going off on a tangent, but I don't think that's true. I think the problem with, with the rock right now is that he has, he, he did really well in a particular role and that's what people want. That's what, you know, all, all of these directors, these writers, these producers, they hire the rock, not because they want to see him act, you know, and stretch as an actor. They want to have the same character that they had in, uh, in Fast and the Furious, you know, in the in the Fast and the Furious movies, and so every character that he does is the same now. But, but I I really think that he has more uh, range than what you're giving him credit for. I think that he's just kind of gotten into a rut of being the action star. Which I mean, Maybe. to be fair, Arnold Schwarzenegger Maybe. got into that rut too, uh, you know. So and and he broke free eventually of it and started doing you know more stuff outside of just the action movie star he's a national <clears> treasure <throat> leave him alone <laughs> leave the leave him <laughs> alone that is such a specific <laughs> reference no one oh, no boy. one is going to get that reference oh my goodness anyway um so that's it for the news for this week let's let's uh move into our main topic so we asked the trivia question last week over 210,000 people participated in a public vote to choose the name of what kaiju in 1967 and we got a few hmm. answers so first we, we sure got did. from and and oh i do want to say i forgot to put post this uh trivia question on the facebook group the kaiju groupie facebook group so we actually didn't get as many answers as we normally do um and that was my bad <laughs> shame on you travis come yeah. on but we did get some from You're dropping the ball man i know this week has been this week has okay. been something else <laughs> um so we got uh, our first answer from, and all of them are, all of them are funny answers. Nobody gave us a serious one, um, which is, uh, which is fine. Um, Chris Deagle or Deagle, 
uh, on Twitter said Kaiju McKaiju face, <laughs> which <laughs> if you if you uh. ask people nowadays to name a Kaiju to choose the name of a Kaiju, that is exactly what it would it would be. Because no one can remember the name of this mount can remember the name of this monster. Well, I mean, also because I mean, look when they gave the public the vote on naming the the Arctic um, uh, research vessel, and they named it Bodie McBoatface, and uh, and then you know when uh, Macaulay Culkin <laughs> Macaulay Culkin uh, offered his fans the opportunity to uh, choose his middle name for him, and they chose Macaulay Culkin, so his name is Macaulay Cul- Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin. So. Yeah, you can't trust the the modern uh, public to name anything anymore. <laughs> no, no, you can't. You can't, no. Yeah. So, um, Kaiju Kim uh, responded with Gorosaurus. Not quite, uh, but good guess. Nope. Thank you, Kim. We appreciate it. Yep. We appreciate you. Elijah uh, commented, everybody's favorite Kaiju, a Mamagon. <laughs> uh, I don't know why he's so obsessed with that movie. Oh wait, no, no, no. I'm thinking of the wrong movie. I'm thinking of Megalon, not Gigan. This is Gigan, not Megalon. Okay. Uh I was gonna say he is obsessed with Megalon, but right. Mamagon comes from uh Godzilla versus Gigan. Right. The anime the um yeah, the uh, manga artist who yeah. 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 It's it's something (laughs) you cheeky pig (laughs) nathan from the monster (laughs) island film vault podcast gave us manila because it came out the same year son of godzilla came out in 1967 as well uh that's true if the public named manila it would not be something as nice and friendly sounding as manila (laughs) <laughs> would it be tur- would it be would it be turdy mcturdy face yeah yeah something like that <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and jimmy from nasa said mechanicong because that movie also came out in 1967 so a lot of movies in 1967 yeah 67 was a good year for uh giant monster movies for sure because uh gamma versus gauss came out in the same year as well Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah, we've had we, that. That was a really good year when it came to kaiju films. Uh, and then finally, the Monster Island board of directors said a creature from an undisclosed place that is currently being kept on our beta site for further study. The movie. <sighs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh oh boy. Okay. All right. Well, that seems like a really long-winded title to me, but. Mm. All right. I'm also really scared about what they're keeping on that beta site and what they're going to do with it. (laughs) I'm terrified. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the answer to the trivia question was The X from Outer Space. It is a movie directed by Kazui Nihomatsu. Nihomatsu. Toshia, starring Toshia Wazaki. Itoko Harada, Shinichi Yanagisawa, and Eiji Okada. And all of those are Japanese names, so I'm missing someone. Who am I missing? 
you are missing you're missing our our two American slash German actors and actresses. Yeah, let's see. We've got Peggy Neal as Lisa and Franz right. Gruber. How can I forget Franz Gruber? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, as we Dr. Beerman. Just had this discussion, Travis. Yes, I that is my favorite fact and, and I know we're getting into fun facts early. My favorite fact about this movie is that the the guy who plays the the main scientist, German scientist in this, his real name is Franz Gruber. I love it. I love it so much. He was also in Die Hard for anyone else out there that cares. Before we go any further, Travis, I have to ask you this for the sake of the podcast, because it's because its existence depends on it. We are coming up on the holiday season. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Look, I don't celebrate Christmas, so no movie is a, is a Christmas movie to me. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I view it as a Christmas movie. If anyone out there listening wants to fight me about that, they can via Twitter. My Twitter handle is the is Kaiju Groupie Pod. Uh, fight me there. Die Hard is indeed a Christmas movie. I yeah I knew that was going to be the question. I have I have so little interest in that debate that I really just don't care. It's a good movie. Who cares? Now, if you want to talk about whether Gremlins is counts as a Christmas movie, now that I will talk to you about. <laughs> hmm, it's, it's a good question. It is. It is. There <laughs> is technically a giant monster in that one. There or is. was that Gremlins 2 with the giant spider? Uh, Gremlins 2 has the giant the spider. spider. Yeah, yeah, the giant. Okay, so that's Gremlins 2. So I would consider that a giant monster movie, uh, but not Gremlins 1. But we're getting way off. Why are we getting off topic? Travis? I have no idea. I, 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 <laughs> but I do want to – okay, well, while we're on this topic though, I do want to say um, I'm going to leave it up to our, uh, to our listeners. Tweet at Kaiju Weekly and let us know – do you want us to cover things like the chuds, uh, critters, gremlins, things like that on this podcast? Because they're not giant monsters, but kaiju is kind of a broad term. So we could it could fall into the category of kaiju if we wanted it to. We could we could make it work. So uh, tweet at us. Let True. us know. I mean we. We've covered worse movies on this show for sure. Um, and if we were called the Daikaiju Weekly, then it wouldn't count. Uh, I kind of, w- if we're going to cover critters, I kind of wish we would have called it Daikaiju Weekly, but I digress. <laughs> um, so uh, the plot breakdown for the X from Outer Space, that's what we're talking about this week, um, is when a crew of scientists returns from Mars with a sample of the space spores with a sample of space spores that contaminated their ship, the sample escapes and grows into an enormous rampaging beak monster. So let's talk about our opening thoughts on this movie. And Michael, keep your short. Cause I have a thought. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, what are your opening uh, thoughts? Okay. On the so, <clears throat> Okay, so I I have no nostalgia. Like this is one of the few giant monster films that I have zero nostalgia for. And when I say zero nostalgia, I mean I didn't see this movie until 
Jesus, probably last year is when I first saw this movie after I had blown through all the Toho films. I'd blown through all of the Godzilla films, most of the Gamera films. I was trying to expand my palette for giant monster films. So I watched this one. And honestly, I'd heard so many people tell me that it's a horrible movie. And I'm going to say you're wrong because it's a lot of fun. It is a really, it's a lot of fun. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Um, Yes, the special effects are not up to par with, say, what uh, even uh, Toho and Daiei was doing at that time. But my God, did they put a lot of, of effort into this. The, the monster design is great. Uh, this movie excels on its embracing of its... Uh, I don't know if it did this intentionally or not, but it is wonderfully cheesy and wonderfully campy. And I love every second of this movie. Okay, so I'm just like you. I have no nostalgia for this movie. This actually, this week, watching it for the podcast, was my first time watching this movie. You texted me. It was like, what am I watching? <laughs> You're right, right. I'm like, You're uh, watching a movie, Travis. Yeah. I'm, uh, the first You're watching a movie, Travis. Like, oh. So um, people, I have seen people talk about this movie. I have seen people mention, you know, that it's not that great of a movie. It's It's kind of bad. And you know what? I'm going to agree with them. I did not enjoy this movie. <laughs> no, that's an, that, that is that is an oversimplification. I do. There are things I do like about this movie, but I will say this: mm-hmm. this movie is boring. This movie is so slowly. Painful. Oh, G-Man, come on! G Man on Twitter talked about uh, Gamera versus Barugon and how that had like the mm-hmm. the um, pacing of a dying sloth crawling through molasses or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, dude, this movie is that. This movie has a slower pace than even God's uh, Gamera versus Barugon. It is so so. You could have cut out forty minutes of this movie, and it still would have been fine. Um, I the, it feels it feels like a, a an hour and a half long episode of Ultraman uh, from sixty six, like the Showa era Ultraman. Not necessarily a bad thing because right. I because there are you know Ultraman is is fun, but when right, you stretch right. that out to an hour and a half. Oh man, this movie. And, and and part of it might just be because I struggled to watch this. My internet speeds for some reason all week have been really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every time I go to watch this movie, I would have to wait like 20 extra minutes for mm-hmm. it to buffer so I could watch it. And <laughs> so I am just like, by the time I get to the end of this movie, I'm like, please just kill the monster or kill me one or the other. I am just so ready to be done with this movie. <laughs> well, okay. So let me, I'm going to, I'm going to push back on you, Travis, and ask you, is your, is your unenjoyment of this movie? Is it purely situational? If you in, in hypothetically, if you were to, if you would have watched this with good internet, and seen it all the way through without the buffering, would you have enjoyed it more? I feel like I would have enjoyed this movie more if I watched it with another person. Because this feels like okay. it, it feels like um the the giant claw or or something like or even like some of the, the show at your oh, camera. Films I wouldn't go that far. Where well not not like in quality. It's definitely better than that in quality, but I mean just in the sense of 
your enjoyment, you can enjoy this movie more from the group experience of just all sitting and, and, and having a laugh because it is cheesy. It is absolutely Mm -hmm. a cheese fest. Now, I don't think that it embraces the campiness enough. I think that one of the things I I like about the Showa Gamera films and why I am a big defender of the Showa era of Gamera is because Gamera embraced the campiness. You know, you watch a Showa era Gamera, you're basically watching a 1966 Batman episode. It it is it, it, they embrace the campiness, they embrace the silliness. In this, they didn't they didn't do that. They didn't embrace the campiness or the silliness enough. To, to make it interesting. And the characters were so wooden and so uninteresting that I'm just like, oh, it just was so slow. <laughs> I actually found the human drama to be quite interesting. Uh, the, okay, so the love triangle stuff was... Okay, that that was yeah, that was that was campy, but it was interesting. It's it's something that we don't we don't get to see in a giant monster movie all that much. Um and I actually, although they they have their flaws, they definitely have their flaws. I actually enjoyed this cast of um, human characters, um, especially Lisa. Uh, I thought she was a strong female character. Honestly, I had to. Uh, I sent I, I, I sent you that text message the other night, and I said, uh, "What did I said? I said, oh, she's only here for one reason.'" But I had to retract that because she's actually quite smart. And I'll tell you, and she actually had some some good lines in the movie, too. I can specifically mm-hmm. think of one where, uh, 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 what is it, uh, Hans Gruber's character. He's be- he's like, <laughs> he's, he's bitching about, oh, sorry. He's complaining about f- not being able to eat his dinner. And, no, no, uh, no, that's something, not, that's she says, not Hans Gruber. No, you're thinking, okay, so, so the, here's the thing. There's two German scientists. I do want to say this because I think we got the wires crossed. There's two German scientists here. There's, there's Dr. Stein and Dr. Uh-huh. Behrman. Now, Dr. Stein is the one you're talking about who's the complaint. Now, that's not Franz Gruber. His, he was played by Mike Dancing. Franz Gruber is the one that stayed okay. on Earth. That had the, the evil gotcha. kind okay. of um, uh, Vincent Price goatee thing going. <laughs> yeah, he had the uh, the Shakespearean, like the artist goatee. Okay, so yeah. I'm getting – okay, I, I did. I got my I got my wires crossed there on, on my uh, American slash German actors. Um, but she – I mean, yeah, her, her dubbing was not great. I will say that. I will admit that her dubbing was not great. And I think that's what took me out of sort of – sort of the her acting um mm-hmm. is just because I did watch it I did watch this dubbed I watched I tried to watch it subbed too but my main problem that I had with watching it subbed was it's so beautifully silly that like when you watch it subbed and you know it's trying to take itself seriously you can't you, it's it's hard to watch it because it is mm-hmm inherently silly but i enjoy this movie watching it dubbed because it is so campy and cheesy but anyway honestly lisa was my favorite character because she was she didn't she she did not get the um she did not get the the recognition she deserved i will i will go on record to say she did not get what she she did not get the recognition for her being a what is it, a biologist uh some other kind of scientist and mm-hmm. uh a chemist i think is is her third is she was three she was three things in one 
And she was treated just like every other damsel in distress in a giant monster film. Now, I do, I will say I did really enjoy Lisa's character, especially by the end. She was she was really good. She mm. started off kind of as just eye candy, but then she really came into it and proved her worth in the movie. Yeah, that's when I sent you that text message um, when I said she's only here for one reason. And I and that was very and I feel like that was premature when I said that, mm. because I was only what I was only like 10 or 15 minutes into the movie when I said that. Um and then as the movie progressed, her character got better. And by the end of the movie, she was still my favorite. She was my favorite character. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think she is actually my favorite character. Now, I do want to talk about, I'm going to, I'm going to steal while we're in our likes and dislikes. This is where we're getting into our likes and dislikes. I want to steal a sure. segment from uh, our friends over at Monster uh, Monsters vs. Men. And I want to do one of their rewards and say the best acting Uh-oh. award or what was it? Coolest character. No, I can't believe that acting. I want to do that. I can't believe that acting award. <laughs> and I will, I will, I'll see what you, what you think, okay. who your favorite, who your, who your can't believe that acting award goes to, but mine goes to now listeners. This is in no way trying to be prejudiced, probably trying to be insensitive in any kind of way. But the one black guy mm-hmm. in the entire movie, there's only one black guy in this entire movie, and he appears on the moon station. Uh-huh. And his one contribution right. to the entire movie is someone asks him a question, he shrugs and then walks off screen. It is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am so glad you're in this movie. I love you. Is he's such a stand like he he sticks out like a sore thumb, being the only black guy in this entire. And you know the majority of people on the moon station are are shorter Japanese people, and here's this tall black man standing alongside them, and then he just and walks away. And it's like you are the best. Yeah, I yeah. love you. I want to know what your backstory is. I am more interested in you than any of the crew of that ship. Minus Lisa, because because the captain is not interesting to me. The captain was with a plank of wood with googly eyes drawn on it. Well, he yeah. is uninteresting. The comedic relief character was not funny, not interesting. And the other guy got sick and didn't do much. So no one else on the crew was interesting. But that one, that one character, that black guy who just shrugs and walks off screen and never to be seen again, I am so intrigued by him. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, that was uh, – I know exactly the scene you're talking about because it's the moment after – uh, God, her name escapes me. But the 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 young woman who who runs the moon base, uh, Muchko, um, or, yeah, after Muchko. yeah, yeah, yeah. After she walks from the control station into that back area, and yeah, that that yeah, I know exactly the scene you're talking about. It's 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 is is really funny for me. My can't believe that acting award has to go to Lisa. Again, my favorite character in this entire movie because she's not a plank of wood. Um, with with when she gets her leg caught under the debris, and again, I watched the dubbing, and the dubbing for this is it's 
hilarious. I'm just going to say it is hilarious. Like the dub, the dubbed version I watched anyway, I watched, I think the, not the AIP, but the international dubbing. Um, so it's this overly dramatic screaming and wailing as she, and I, and I know this sounds terrible audio listener. I'm so like, I'm, I'm in, I'm laughing at someone else's pain here, but <laughs> you just have to watch this movie. You have to watch this movie you have to watch the international dub of this movie to really understand what I'm saying here. It is hilarious because it is so forced. It is so cheesy and it is so fake and it is so over the top. I could not help, but love it so much. And her facial expressions are the best. Yeah. Just talking about, just talking about uh, Lisa's character again, comparing her to the movie that came out the same year that this one did comparing her character to the character. Uh, and I can't even remember the character's name, but from, from uh, King Kong escapes the, the main female character in that her character in that movie is so un uninspired. No, that's not the right words. She, she really just doesn't, she doesn't do much. She has no real agency. She is being, whisked away from plot point to plot point by the events of the of the movie or by the characters around her and just really has no um really just like say so in what's going on with her character with, with with her like story arc for lack of a better word whereas lisa in this movie feels so much better. Like she has agency. She has uh, interest. She has, you know, this, she's, uh, you know, while being a scientist, she's not overly, um, uh, what do you call it? Overly analytical. She's also fun. She also enjoys things. She enjoys food. Mm -hmm. She, uh, you know, like there's, there's so much going on with this character that it feels like, she was the one that they wrote for and then they just threw everyone else away mm -hmm. because and they literally threw one of them away because the the doctor that you were talking about the 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 one that was a real jerk uh from the moon base the other german <laughs> the one dr stein <laughs> he he appears in one key scene in this entire movie and it's one of the main scenes you know where they find the spore that turns into the monster gilala and then disappears for the rest of the movie. Like just is nowhere to be seen. So yeah, they just literally threw him away. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, he was just, he was just off living his best life, man. Yeah. He was just off living his best life. Um, so I want to talk about, now we've talked about some of the things that we liked in this movie, specifically, you know, the, the care, uh, Lisa's character. That was our main like, but let's get into some of our dislikes because I really want to talk about some things for this movie. For what this movie is and what I feel like it was trying to accomplish. I feel like it accomplished it and I really had a lot of fun with this and there's not a whole lot I don't like about it uh, because I appreciate it for what it is, but I'm going to let you go into some, into the, I'm going to let you throw some negativity lettuce or negativity onions on this positivity sandwich. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I still, I, my my chief complaint. I still don't think they really embraced the campiness of it. I, I know you you're saying it, but I just don't. I really just don't think they did. I feel, 
I don't know. I feel like I, I'm still on the side of I feel like this movie would have been more enjoyable to watch with a with a group of people like we did with Kaiju Quarantine. It would have been good to watch on Kaiju Quarantine because mm-hmm. there were so many times when I could have thrown out a joke or thrown out something or, or someone else could have thrown out a joke. Um, you know, the fact that that uh, they every other space mission that they've sent towards Mars has failed and they're sitting there listing out this to the four people they're planning to send on this same mission. And it's like, yeah, but we're going to take another crack at it. So you guys load up into that rocket and take off and go on this you know, mission that everyone else we've ever sent on has died. <laughs> and it's so ridiculous this movie and and one of the things i I was i'll get into my negatives in just a second my real negatives but this movie is such a time capsule of the 60s because they are so gung-ho about drinking and partying it's like we've made it to the moon let's have a party and drink uh we're back on earth let's party and drink and then they're going to the hotel to have a nightcap and probably have a party uh and when when gilala attacks and wakes up and attacks so it's like it's such a 60s era of just let's have a martini and dance <laughs> um yeah i like i i like the light i i really enjoyed the light-hearted nature of this movie though i don't think that's that probably really one of the th- that's probably one of the main things intentional <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they intended it to be lighthearted. That's the problem. Okay. All right. That's fair. That is a fair assessment because you are right. There are, there's a lot of sequences of like cocktail parties and just they, as soon as they're getting dressed up and going drinking. And it's really awkward because all the women in this movie are dressed up in, in the lounge area and every, all the other guys are still in their space suits mm. and it just looks weird to me. Um, it's definitely got a 1960s. Although Lisa looked killer in that blue dress that she was wearing on the moon. It was, that was an excellent look. It was very classy. I will say that it was, um, but I really love the 1960s lounge lizard. I guess that's the right word to use. Like the loungy kind of jazzy feel to it. I really like it because like you said, it, it, this movie is a time capsule. It is a, mm. it is definitely a time capsule of its, of its, of its era of, of which it was made. I love like the, the retro futurism of this movie. I love that. This is what people thought that space travel and moon bases and giant monsters and things look like for that time in fact one of the things that i one of the things and it's a the only okay so the only negative i have about this movie the only major negative is i feel like when when i tell someone about like giant monster movies right i feel like uh, and i'm all excited about like yeah do you like giant monster movies i love giant sci-fi like old sci-fi movies blah 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 i feel like this is the kind of movie that people think of when I say giant monster movie, the cheesy campy guy in a rubber suit, um, giant monster movie. That's probably my only negative because it does lean really heavily into those stereotypes that people make fun of for these types of movies. But you know, again, it, it does it in a fun way. 
I love the camp. I love the campiness. I'm I'm with you, Travis. I wish they would have really leaned even harder into the campiness. There are some moments, especially um, <laughs> that scene where um, there's a breach in the in in the outer. Uh, oh, in, yeah. in the, in the ship. Right. And yeah. like, yeah. And everyone's like, everyone's like pretending like they're trying to be sucked outside of the ship. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, che- it's so comical and so cheesy and just so charming that it's really hard for me to dislike it. Honestly, before you get into more of your negatives, cause you're a little bit low, you're not as high on this movie as I am, but what did you think about just, I know we'll, we may get into this later, but what did you think about Gilala himself or itself? Well, that, that's what I was going to ask you because um, I was going to finish up my negatives and then get into finish that off, finish it off with some positives about uh, the monster. All right, go ahead. Um, go ahead. So uh, <laughs> um, my only other negative that I just wanted to highlight real quick was just the music. I couldn't stand the music. The music was so awful so awful <laughs> and i'm all for oh, like i'm all on. for like you know weird poppy kind of or, or like 60s 70s whatever kind of music thrown into a monster movie because i do like that in some of the godzilla movies but it didn't work it did not work in this movie the music just was so awful the <clears> choices <throat> they made in it is so bad anyway <laughs> so um yeah uh talking about gilala himself as the monster I like the design. I really, really do like the design. I like the head. I like the way that it, it you know, it, it feels like an Ultraman monster, but feels, uh, it doesn't, it, it feels familiar because it is that, you know, bipedal dinosaur looking thing, almost like a Godzilla type monster, but also different enough to where it's not like just a Godzilla ripoff. So I do enjoy the design. I don't like the puffy arms. I think the puffy arms are a little too much. So if they dialed back the arms (laughs) some, but everything else. It's almost like he's got one of those um, Victorian era puffy white shirts on. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know what I I, I know. They have a name, but I cannot think of what their name is. Uh, But yeah, it's like, it's sort of like that. It's like a Jacobean, uh, era yeah yeah uh style um elizabethan style almost uh yeah it it is yeah. uh yeah it is i don't like the puffy shirt the puffy sleeve things that he's got on his arms other than that i do like the design so what, what do you think of of gilala i like it for its uniqueness like there is there is no other monster that i can think of like this out in like the kaiju sphere. There is definitely not another monster like Gilala um, uh, out, out there at the time of this film being made. Maybe there, like, like you said, there may have been some uh, Ultraman monsters that come close, but this was 67. So I want to say that's ultra seven. And I don't remember any monsters in Ultra 7 that looked like this. So Gilala was definitely unique in that respect. And I really like the design. It stands out to me as one of the most interesting kaiju designs. And I really wish that, I really wish that uh, like another studio would get a hold of the, of this property and redo it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
just because I would love, I would love to see a, an updated version of Gilala. Um, I mean, it's, it's fun because it's got that reptilian body. It's got those big buggy eyes. It's got a head shaped like a spaceship. I mean, mm-hmm. what is there not to love about this, about this monster? I will say that this entire movie, uh, and this monster especially does feel very Ultraman like, or even not, maybe not even Ultraman, but just some other, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it, it, but it does feel like it belongs more on a made for TV movie or a, a made for TV science fiction series or even Star Trek or even 1966 Star Trek, uh, other than a, a feature full length film like right. it was made. I think that's the point I'm trying to get to when the way I'm talking about, it. like, I don't, I don't think this movie's awful and and so i hope that my dislikes and my negative talking made it feel like i absolutely despise this movie i don't despise this movie the biggest issue i have with this movie is the pacing which would be fixed if this movie was only a 30 minute long episode of something like this feels like an ultraman episode like like it should be an ultraman episode and if you cut out 40 minutes of of this movie because there are moments like even the part you were talking about with with um lisa under the rubble she it drags on it drags on for so long and then the monster uh gilala attacking the cities and stuff some of that drags on for so long that it's just like i just want this movie to finish you know get to the point already and uh and so yeah i i think i think you're right this movie would work better as a tv show or as an episode of a tv show yeah i think this movie probably would have been better served be to have at least i won't i won't go as far as to say 40 minutes cut out of it but maybe 20 minutes uh 15 20 minutes because it does really feel like if if I was going to, if I was going to put any kind of negativity out there, I was going to say that it does kind of feel like we're watching two separate movies. Like the first hour feels like its own separate film than the last 30 minutes, because we don't see Gilala until I think the last 30 minutes of the film, or even the last 20 minutes of the film is when we get the big reveal mm-hmm. for Gilala coming out of the mountainside. Um, which is fun. Don't get me wrong. Like the, the monster rampage and the monster stuff. It's a lot of fun. It's well done, but yeah, they could have cut out about 15 or 20 minutes of dialogue or 15 minutes of buildup, especially like maybe when they're on the moon base, because all that just kind of lingers on for a little while, like them just kind of chit chatting in the lounge and yeah, that kind of stuff could have been the shower scene, cut the out shower scene drags sure. on a little too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, the shower scene was there to establish the tension between the the two the two women, right? Right. That's the reason why that was there. Yeah. Are you ready to move on to some fun facts uh and and then get into our uh final thoughts and in our scores? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Well, let's I have a few fun facts I wanted to share. Um so Early drafts for this film featured gigantic, monstrous plants as the antagonist before Gilala was created to replace these abandoned creatures. So originally they were going to have these giant plant monsters. They scrapped that and went with Gilala. Uh, I think it was for the better. I think it was for the better because I think Gilala works as a good, uh, you know, as a yeah. monster. Um, of course, 
of course we can't talk about this movie without talking about the the uh um the sequel the sequel to this movie that was done uh which i mean when was that? it was like in the 2000s wasn't it Monster X Strikes Back. Yes, it was done in 2008. 2008. Okay, yeah. I was trying to see what and, the year was. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, the Monster the Monster uh, X Strikes Back. Um, it, I haven't seen it either, so I am interested in checking that out. But, uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, this is a. Uh, I couldn't talk about the fun facts about this movie without covering at least, you know, at least mentioning the sequel to it that was right. done. Yeah, for sure. Many, for many sure. years later. <laughs> um, another fun fact that we have is that Gilala was going to fight Gappa in a movie, the Trifibian Monsters. <clears throat> um, they were planning on doing this sometime in the 1970s, but that it. Uh, fell through and so it never really happened but uh there was going to be a crossover between this movie and gappa the trifibian monster now gappa is one film that i have not i don't think i've ever seen that one i know a lot of people have mixed feelings about that one also because a lot of folks consider it sort of like a gorgo ripoff or gorgo was a ripoff of it i don't know what order they came in but um yeah i I, i'm yet to watch uh gappa or gappa yeah i haven't watched that one either um i am interested it is on our list to cover in the podcast in the future so um the only other fun fact that i have is hiroshi fujioka plays a small part in this film as one of the moon's moon station correspondents um you guys may not be as familiar with him or you might but he was best known for playing the original common writer the actual first common writer that started the whole franchise he was he was that character and he played a small part in this movie before doing that so there's a nice little tie-in to common writer still working on my spin-off podcast okay. that i'm hoping to get to at some point <laughs> so stay tuned for that oh i'm looking forward to that man yeah uh so that was just a few fun facts i found i didn't couldn't find too many but i just found those few and wanted to kind of you know touch on them um let's get into our godzuki scores and our final thoughts so for anyone who is new to the podcast we like to rate our movies out of five godzukis instead of five stars or anything like that because we like to embrace the silly side of monster movies sometimes apparently i'm not feeling up to embracing the silly side this week (laughs) and so we use godzuki as our yardstick uh for rating our Godzilla movie or our giant monster movie. So Michael out of five Godzukis, how many do you give the X from outer space? I'm going to go ahead and give this film four out of five Godzukis because apparently this film, as far as this podcast is concerned, is my night of the lepus or my attack of the killer tomatoes because I adore this film. It is very, it's, it's fun. (laughs) It's campy. 
The only drawback that I see to this film is you kind of already have to be invested in the in the giant monster genre anyway to really appreciate it. Uh, because if I was to show this to say my wife or, an, or a friend of mine who I would consider like a normie who's not into this whole genre, uh, who's not into giant monster films or this type of film or this genre of film rather. Um, I don't think that they would enjoy it, but for me personally, I really, really liked it. And like I said, at the top of the show, Travis, I don't have any nostalgia for this movie. I don't recall seeing this movie on any television network growing up. And that's sort of, and I watched a lot of, science fiction and a lot of monster movies growing up, but I do not remember this film. So I'm coming off of this brand new with fresh eyes. And I actually had a lot of fun with this. I did. Uh, I would recommend this again to someone who's already invested in the giant, in the giant monster genre. Uh, yes, the characters are a little bit flat. Yes. There's only maybe two or three little standout characters in the, in this movie, as we've pointed out already. Um, but the monster design is fun. It's a, it's just a fun movie and a fun concept. Um, and it's wonderfully, beautifully cheesy and campy and I love it. So yeah, that's why I'm giving it four out of five. Yeah. This is definitely your night of the leapest. Cause this is, yeah, this is exactly that's exactly how I would describe this. Um, you actually asked on Twitter what were some people's thoughts um, and general feelings about this movie, and we did have a few people respond. So um, I, I just wanted to highlight the giant monster BS guys. Uh, they said the visual style of the movie is pretty fun, but everything in this movie has been done better in similar films from the same era. Um, I don't disagree with that. I think that, you know, you're not getting anything groundbreaking in this movie. Uh, it's been all done before. No. Um, but Danny DeMana, you mentioned Danny earlier uh, from the Godzilla novelization project. He uh, actually says he adores this cheesy little flick. That said, I think it's actually less cheesy than its reputation would have many believe. The sci-fi world it creates is delightful and unique. The scope is ambitious and Galila, uh, Gilala is... Uh, itself is imaginative and just plain fun and so is the movie so there is some some appreciation for this film uh at least coming from the kaiju the kaiju fan base um my score my godzuki score uh is a three and a, a three out of five um i don't hate this movie i know it sounded like i did because i uh, i was kind of negative on it i don't hate this movie uh, my main complaint is just the pacing. I think the pacing is just not good. It's it's definitely need to be edited down some and, and changed around for the pacing. But outside of that, the film is serviceable as a retro sci-fi monster flick. Um, it does to me. It lacks the quality of a Godzilla film. So like the technical aspect that Godzilla films and Toho usually brings, and I think it's lacking the charm that you might get from something like Gamera. I just I don't feel the charm. I don't feel the quality. I don't feel the the characters were all that interesting. Um, I did enjoy the monster design. It feels familiar, uh, but not like a Godzilla knockoff. But overall. The characters were not engaging. The pacing was excruciating. And I say that you should only watch it if you are a diehard monster movie fan. 
Otherwise, skip it. And that is perfectly fair. Perfectly fair. Like I said, this is definitely my Night of the Lepus. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you enjoyed it, hey, that's great. Uh, there, I will say there is a reason this movie is in the Criterion Collection. So, you know, maybe there's something to it that I'm just not seeing. It kind of surprises me, honestly. I would expect maybe Arrow to pick this one up uh, other than the Criterion. But this has been on the Criterion Collection for a while, since mm-hmm. at least 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's going to be it for our review of the X from outer space. Uh, this is, uh, the second, our, our penultimate episode of space monster September next week will be the final episode of space monster September. And we are looking forward to that, but we'll talk about that after we get to our next segment. And do you know what the next segment is? The mailbag. The mailbag. What's in the mail today? <laughs> and if you want to reach out to us, you can do that by emailing us at kaijuweekly at gmail.com. We're also at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter. That is the best ways to reach us if you want your letter read out on the podcast. Um, I keep making the joke that we only have three listeners uh, <laughs> to this podcast. We only have like three listeners. Um, and someone emailed in to say that he was the fourth listener uh officially the fourth listener so we have four listeners yeah (laughs) so we have four listeners um he also asked the question uh he also asked two questions one for me and one for you so michael starting with you what are your feelings on butt rocket kaijus (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this person this person is also a masters versus men patreon supporter because that is a reference to that <laughs> oh boy okay so i know i don't even have to look at the notes to to um to know where this came from honestly because i don't think you actually said no uh, i didn't actually because i remember having i i remember having this conversation so thank you elijah from the kaiju conversations <laughs> podcast um my feelings toward kaiju butt rockets um they are explosively wonderful wow Wow. See, every time somebody brings up the, the butt rockets at, at Kaiju thing, I, it just reminds me of how I still haven't been on the Monsters vs. Men Plus uh, Patreon episodes yet. I haven't been on any of them. And it just, you know, it, it just kind of hurts a little bit, you know, um, that, that, that Eric would, wouldn't invite me over. Your time will come, my friend. Your time will come. Eric, I have opinions about kaiju with rockets that shoot out of their butts. Invite me on. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) we're going to have an explicit tag on this one. (laughs) 
Oh boy. Okay, uh, so that that's one way to beg to be on someone's episode. Yeah, yeah. Or beg to be on someone's podcast. It's like, look, look. Anybody who's listening to this, if you have your own podcast, I have many opinions about monsters and whether or not rockets should shoot out or into their butts so please invite me on and i will i will have my own ted talk moment about that <laughs> travis you realize that i am i'm the one editing this episode this week, right? you know i'm gonna leave that in i know i know that's gonna that's gonna be the the cold <laughs> open for the episode <laughs> It, it very well may be. I was just sitting here thinking to myself, what could I insert as the cold open? But I'm um, glad you said that, Travis. So Elijah, <laughs> Elijah also in his email asked me specifically the question, if given the money, would you do a sequel to Yeti, Giant of the 20th Century, called Yeti 2, The Nipples Revenge? <laughs> this, this episode's going to need an explicit tag. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, Elijah knows how much I I am obsessed with the Yeti uh, Yeti Giant of the 20th Century. That movie, I cannot wait for us to cover it on this podcast because oh man, that was one of my favorite moments from Kaiju Quarantine. Was um, uh, I was gonna say uh, I was gonna put it politely and say introducing it to my friends, but really forcing all of my uh, fellow Kaiju enthusiasts to sit through this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely I would see a sequel to this and if I had the money I would definitely definitely make a sequel to this movie <laughs> because I love it <laughs> your love of that film border is borderline unnatural yeah at this point. <laughs> I think okay so I will say this because yeah. I, I do I make a lot of jokes I make a lot of jokes we 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 we, we, we have a lot of fun on this podcast listeners but it's time to be serious here I couldn't tell at all yeah I know okay. here we go uh, but it's time it's time to be serious you guys the reason I love the Yeti Yeti giant of the 20th century movie so much is because I, I did not know this movie existed until February of this year when both Gargantu cast and Tokyo lives both put out episodes on the same day reviewing this movie and hearing them talk about it and hearing them describe what happens in the movie made me so interested in seeing, I'm like, I have to see what they're talking about. And it is just one of those ones that's like, you have to see to believe what's happening in this movie because it is so bizarre. <laughs> so ever since then, I have been just like, I have to, I have to spread the word of Yeti. I have to make sure more people are aware that this thing exists because once you have the knowledge that Yeti, the giant of the 20th century exists, you then have the burden to share it with others. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. <laughs> terrible movie <laughs> but it's so bad it is so bad and it gives Travis so much joy I'm gonna have to watch this movie again for this podcast because it gives Travis so much joy that I'm gonna 
participate in his suffering or I'm going to suffer and he's going to laugh suffer at my suffering. I'm gonna, That's what's going to happen. Oh, I'm going to have so much fun. I don't suffer watching Yeti. I love that movie. That movie, it's so much fun. It's so ridiculous. I love it. And of course, we're going to review it on this podcast because that's our Christmas episode. Don't you know? Because nothing says the joy of Christmas like a giant Yeti with an inflatable nipple. <laughs> That's why they sing oh, the Christmas carols about it. It's like Yeti the giant nipple had a really no, never mind. I'm beginning to believe, Travis, you know nothing about the Christmas holiday. <laughs> I already said, don't celebrate Christmas. Uh, it's like, it's like, oh, Yeti nipple. <laughs> Um, it, it just maybe that'll be my cold open. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Elijah. <laughs> thank you, Elijah, for emailing and for being our fourth listener. Although I think officially you're like our second listener, uh, and we've had a couple more after you. <laughs> but thank you for always supporting the podcast. And so, to close out this episode, we're going to ask the trivia question for next week's episode. What film is based on a 2014 novel by Jeff Vandermeer? And we will also have a very special guest for that episode. Uh, we're going to have Destiny, a.k.a. Kaiju Hime. Uh, from Twitter. Uh, you may know her. She does a lot of um, artwork, really great artwork, kaiju-related artwork, but she also has a Kickstarter that's uh, going to be ramping up soon, and we're going to talk more about that on next week's episode. That's why we're having, not why, but that's one of the things we're going to talk about when she's on. I cannot wait for that. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I am looking so forward. I've I've heard Destiny on other podcasts uh, before, and she sounds like a real uh, a real uh, pleasure to li- to talk to and to listen to. So I'm looking forward to it too, Travis. Yeah, and she has also read the novel by Jeff Vandermeer that inspired the movie that we're going to be talking about next week. So she has the knowledge that she's bringing to this discussion as well. So I cannot wait for that. So uh, before we head out, we just want to say thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju Weekly and at Kaiju Groupie Pod. All the links to our social media as well as for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group are in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to the trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. We also want to say a big thank you to Alex, Shijir, and Thorax for supporting us on Patreon. You can also support the podcast at patreon.com slash kaijuweeklypod. And all that sounds great, Travis, but there's one more thing that people can do to support this show, and that is by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review. 
like I say every week, criticize us all you want in the comment, but do it, but make it five stars worth. And we promise we will read your feedback on a future episode. And what that's going to do is that's going to help put this show in front of other Kaiju and Tokusatsu fans, just like you. It's going to propel this show uh, to new and exciting heights. And most importantly, it will hopefully make us popular enough to where Travis can finally go see the goo. The goo. I must see the goo. Um, and yes, we also have a new uh, review, a five-star review that we can read out for this week. And it comes to us from David, the Kaiju Apostle, from the, uh, the Kaiju Apostle podcast. Uh, he says, there aren't many Kaiju podcasts that get into news and happenings each episode, let alone on a weekly basis. But Travis and Michael do it well. This is a biased review being friends with both and having had Michael on our show, but their rapport is great and the show doesn't devolve into groupthink or ridicule, which is encouraging. Definitely great for those who are just trying to listen to people talk about giant monster movies, not dissect and analyze them to death. And then he says he's guilty of that because that is one of the shticks of the Kaiju Apostle podcast, which is great because we, we need kaiju podcasts of all kinds ones to overanalyze them ones to really dig into the the philosophies of it and then us who just like to play around and just have fun (laughs) exactly and i love we love the kaiju apostle thank you david for your review and also before i forget congratulations on being around for exactly one year they actually celebrated their one year anniversary uh for their podcast along with his co-host chris uh, last Monday with their Hedora episode. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. We've got a lot of podcasts that are coming up to one year. Um, we got Kaiju Apostle, we got Monster Island Film Vault, Monsters vs. Men, all of these ones, and we are coming up on our one year anniversary as well. So, uh, Ooh, yeah, we got yeah. something special coming up for that. Anyway, so that's going to be it for this week. So to close out the episode, I'm going to say help control the space alien Population, have your gilalas spayed or neutered. Oh, yeti nipple. Before they turn into... (laughs) Oh, sweet Jesus. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. (laughs) Bye.